Let me remind you of the gospel. I mean, of all the insults in the entire Bible, I think that's number one. Yeah. If you have to be reminded, if you forgot the gospel, you need to be reminded of it in First Corinthians fifteen. It's, it's easily missed. So or, he or set aside. So yes. he basically come in there and said, you know, settle down a little bit. How about a little decency and in order? Yep. But you know, a lot of people have taken that to mean you can't be joyful, and that it's a fruit of the spirit. Well, they say they'll say it's irreverent. They say, yeah. you know, it's if you're. You know, somebody's excited, or you know, at the founding of the country, there was a lot of that going on. Well, Phil, look, you can't get up (laughs) and leave. You got to talk into the mic. (laughs) You're doing this right now, Phil. (laughs) We've been filming for five minutes. (laughs) Do you need a bottle or something? I think you need. No, I'm all right. No, I was like, this funny thing about these sound men have taught me something. It doesn't matter what you say if nobody hears it. But I look, you bring that up. I know we're we're gonna take some. Some questions from our powerful audience out there. But you brought this up. I mean, you thought about that, doing everything in, what you say? Decency uh, and in order. But you said reverent. Uh, yeah, so they say it's me, irreverent. Let me read you something. When you think of of being reverent, what do, what do you think of? What's the first thing that pops in your mind? Pious, quiet. Yeah, pious, know. quiet. Is that what you think? That's how we use the word? Pretty yeah. well. Let me read you something. Self-control. It's, this yeah. just popped into my head, which might be the Holy Spirit, or I might be completely crazy. <laughs> I thought of Hebrews 5 and verse 7. It says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, which is what we're talking about in the book of John. Yeah. He offered up prayers and petitions. Now, I want you to notice this this phrase here with loud speaking of my shouter loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and if you just stopped right there you get a vision of Jesus was he was crying out at various times passionately yep, yep. you know but when you see him characterized on TV or something never like that But this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm pretty sure he was an emotional fella after reading that. But listen to the next part of it, which is my point. And he was heard, heard what? Loud cries and tears. He was heard because of his reverent submission. Hmm. Well, our take on the definition of reverent does not go along with that verse. It's true. Loud cries and tears, and somehow or another that was reverent submission. So always go back to, you know, when Jesus Where was said, that? Where that is reading? Hebrews 5, 7, and that's a good one. That's a good one. He, uh, you know, it goes back to what Jesus said when he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And for years, you know, I, I tried to figure out what each of those meant, and it's hard to figure all that out. But what I've noticed is among denominations or religious groups, they tend to zero in on one or two of those aspects. And then you can go right down the road and they zero in on one or two. That's why we, you know, we we're kind of kidding about, you know, going Pentecostal or whatever. But that that seems to be 
more emotional, more mm-hmm. passionate. You can go right on the road and you'll see a group that have, they focused in on, you know, mind and strength. They want to be intellectual. Yep. And like, you know, they miss grace. They're like, oh, look how good I am. You know, you see what I mean? So I, that's just my take. But yeah. And, I, and <clears throat> one, one thing I've always appreciated about all my charismatic friends is that they've been much more open to, the concept of the Holy Spirit and how he works in our heritage, you know, not so much. We kind of had to just come to that realization on our own study, you know, cause you just, we were taught when Jason and I went to school, we were told dad that, that a studying to prepare yourself for a lesson was 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. They yeah. said that to motivate us, you know, to make yeah, sure I we remember study. That. And I look, I'd lean over and go, <laughs> and you say, what does that mean? I went to school because they were supposedly not coming from any kind of denominational background. That's why I went in there. But what I've noticed, and this, I think this is universal from people behind pulpits, everybody makes mistakes. You know, just think about how many things you've changed your opinion on. That's right. From a biblical viewpoint through the years. I'm changing my opinion on things. Every couple of days, you know, right. I'm like, oh, never saw that. Now, things that matter, okay, maybe not. But the reason I did that, I always treat any kind of speech like eating fish. When you run across a bone, you spit just it spit it out. But keep eating the fish. Yeah, but I keep eating the fish. That doesn't mean, you know, I go running out of the building like, you know, it's on fire saying, I'm never coming back here. That guy's an idiot. I mean, he got up there saying whatever. But, you know, most people, that's what they do when they go eat lunch after the service. Yeah. They're like, can you believe he believes they that? They call that pastor dinner where you eat pastor for dinner. So our good friends at Black Rifle Coffee, uh, we love their coffee. This is the one we like the most, Murdered Out yeah. Uh, these guys are like military. I mean, they're hardcore. We like this one because it's dark roast. So that's what we're drinking in our cups. But they got different. There's an AK espresso. What I mean, that's, roast is that? Uh, it's a, a medium. medium. But but I no, like to help the veterans, no matter what they're up to. Silencer smooth SS. That's a light roast. So you got yeah. all these different kinds. You know, whatever your tastes are uh, for coffee. But these guys are awesome. We love their company. We love their coffee. Um, Veteran-owned. They do these small-batch roast-to-order coffees. You can sign up, which is what we've done on their Coffee of the Month deal where they send it to you. It's called Black Rifle Coffee Company uh, is is the name of their business. It's fantastic. Uh, So check it out, blackriflecoffee.com slash feel. And if you go there, you're going to basically get, uh, if you enter feel, as your promo code, you can get 20% off your first order, including the coffee club, if you'd like to do that. So we're big on these guys. Uh, love the love that they're veterans, and their coffee is amazing. So it's blackriflecoffee.com slash feel. But, yeah, I mean, I tell you what, though, it's one of the things I love about what we're doing here. And, and we've heard from a lot of you out there that are digging it, too, that this isn't a – this isn't a church thing. This is a kingdom, unashamed, is a kingdom Bible study. You well, know? and it's we're studying, but look, I'm going to tell you right now, as much as we talk, 
We're going to get it wrong every once in a while. That's that's what this is all about. You have conversations. You study. The power of the Bible is explaining it. There's where the power is. That's the Holy Spirit is unleashed when you explain what this means. But but don't you think that's... Having said that, that means you get it wrong. Well, I mean, I've gotten... You've passed on a few emails to to me. (laughs) I'm looking. I'm like, okay. I mean, it's so minor a point, but this guy... Or or young lady, they're like they disagree about something, you know. And to me, it's a trivial point. Okay, I could be wrong, no big deal. But it's to right. them, they're like. So I had one that I answered to, and uh, I said, I don't think I said that. Now I don't watch our podcast. You know, we talk so much. I would never watch this, but. <laughs> He was saying you that I watch. said something really that I knew I, I wouldn't have said. So I said, nope. And I, I responded. I said, I would I would not say that. Now, if I did, I was just having a bad day. and that. <laughs> so look, and this guy, you know, he had all this argument. Well, when he, he said, well, I went back and looked at it, and you were right. You didn't say that. But he sent me, a, you know, it took me 10 minutes to read it. <laughs> And it was all about something he thought I said that I didn't. And I thought, here we go. That you know, if you if you wake up and say, I got a I heard something today and I'm fixed to send a scathing email, you know, I say rule number one is make sure that's what the guy said. Just Yeah, but I've got a general rule about scathing emails. Don't write down things you don't like. I mean, if you can't have a yeah. conversation cuz cuz it always seems worse when you're reading something that's like aimed at you, it always seems more accusatory, more negative. I mean, but if you just had a conversation, like we say, hey, then it's like, well, I don't think I said that. Then oh, all it's of a sudden, a, it's, it, it's it, a cell phone. Disagreement curse. should be talked through, not written through. The, the scathing email is probably not a good idea. That's well, just you're job. good on that. Well, you don't I mean, send texts. No. So you're good. Or email. No. But see, some people no. send a text and you it's misinterpreted. I just think the the devices that enable human beings on a whim to, to hear something <laughs> and the information transfer is so rapid yeah yeah that you don't have time let me put it this way there's different gifts in the kingdom some prophesy some just encourage some in gifts of administration the body's a unit. Each member belongs to all the others. We all have different tasks. First Corinthians twelve. That's good. If you're going to, and if as proclaimers, which in this case all three of us are, we proclaim to huge audiences, small audiences, one on one rehabs, uh, prisons, uh, gala get-togethers. We're we're doing a lot of verbal. Verbiage, verbiage is coming out of us. We're, we talk a lot. Well, if you just think about it, uh, the text that came to my mind when all of these collateral things are swirling around and what people are saying and doing, this, where uh, unfortunately uh, Christianity is divided into, I think someone said the last count was about 25,000 different denominations are coming out of <clears throat> are coming out of one book <clears throat> so you say wait a minute here 
That's a lot. That's a lot. So everyone has their creeds, their, their, what they're standing on, and <clears throat> just goes on and on. And then the world is looking. I think if the world uh, adheres to what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians, he said, started out by saying it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And on below there, he said, the only thing that counts and this is really the crux of the matter. <clears throat> the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Hmm. If they see that, all these other, uh, the way things are said, the excitement level, and, you know, you know, I, I'll be given a lesson and I will not be, not be aware that I've raised my voice substantially <laughs> to make a point. You tend to do I that. don't realize that. Well, yeah. I, I began to raise my, and the next thing you know, <clears throat> you're screaming. I'm, I'm, I'm shouting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you know and I'm banging the, I'm banging the, the podium. I, I, Look, I changed, we took a course. I, in, I changed uh, my format. What I do now is <laughs> to, to get around that somewhat. When I go up to speak now, there's a table there. Yeah. And there's a chair and a mic. It's a table. One of the reasons I I, I did that, I, I go up and I sit down at a table and I open my Bible. And, and most of them, they have a podium and with some kind of bench that puts the speaker higher, higher up. Mm-hmm. I thought about that and I said, you know, I think it's I a should, visual thing. Well, I don't think so it's a plan. Well, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm saying we are brothers here. That's true. I'm not above them. Right. I don't want them to look be looking up at me. Right. I want them to. I told them the other day. I keep reminding them. I said, "Look, we're all brothers here. We need to love one another, and that be seen. We're going to be known by our love for one another. That's what we're going to be known for. Love's the greatest gift." So we're going to show them what love is. There's blacks here. There's whites here. We're all together. We're worshiping God together. We're eating together. It's 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 a great thing. Yeah. I just think in a lot of ways, if you get theologians on one side and just fly through every little scripture and argue every little point. At well, you're end, never going to agree. At the end of the day, I'll, love becomes <laughs> further and further away. And the main thing well, I think Jesus, what, what he's done for us doesn't become the main thing. And we're sitting out here arguing about little text. I think no what, business in arguing I think about what it. you're saying is the relational part of it. I mean, if you get, if you look at it from a relational view and you get that on straight, Jesus is my Lord. God is our father. The Holy spirit is our indweller counselor. If you're pursuing <clears throat> that, then it puts in perspective, all the things you might disagree with on things that I say do not matter, right? you know, that, yeah. or, or are just subjective. I mean, I got a verse for you I want to read, 2 Timothy 2.23, and my point is going to be, why don't we use the same passion in fulfilling this verse as we do any other verse? Because this is don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Because they produce quarrels. That's my point. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. But he needs to be kind to everyone, 
able to teach, not resentful. Now, here's the key verse. Those who oppose him or disagree, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, truth, and they can escape the trap that came from the evil one, which is my point. Ultimately, it's not up to you anyway. God opens the heart. God moves you. You can only do the best you can and share and allow his grace to make up for your mistakes. Well, and what, what you're describing, Dad, is <clears throat> I think in, from my perspective is knowing your audience, and it, and it does affect your approach. Like our church, you know, our church, White's Bay Road, we basically have three different services. We've got the sort of the main one, the big one that's that's first that Jason Missy do worship for. Then we have a second one that's a lot more people without a church background in there, a lot of young people. It's a lot of higher energy, but they don't know as much about the book. And then you got Dad's group, which are almost I mean, most of the audience is unchurched completely. So that's correct. Your approach and how you share the Bible with all three of those groups is going to be different. I mean, I, I have you noticed when you because you'll do it Sunday. So I, when I preach in the first service, most of this audience, you know, has been in church, understands it. So like you can just assume a lot of things they know because they do for the most part. I illustrate yeah. a lot with Bible. So you might not read a lot of the Bible because you already assume you can just You can it. just check it off and say, you know, over in Acts 3 when this happens. But when I go into that, our second group, I mean, I realize they don't know. They don't know. I, I, you know, I say something about Elijah. Who's that? You know, so it, it affects even the way you illustrate, yeah, the way the, your approach. So I think a lot of that's your audience, too. So I mean, it, it is, is, but it's the same Jesus. And that's why I tend to, I think Sunday mornings, I've said this many times, I think that whatever you're together, 60 to 90 minutes, not talking about Bible class, not talking about anything like that. That 90 minutes, I think the worship, the singing, the sermon, the Lord's Supper, it should all be around on Jesus just because that is, he is God. He is the image of the invisible God. That That's how we communicate and, you know, see, see God as real. Right. So every night, uh, local police departments all across America – they get these hundreds of hundreds of calls from burglar alarms. Uh, it's a problem. You, you wouldn't think about it. You know, we live out here and we grew up out here in the middle of nowhere. The burglar alarm out here is the dogs. The barking. dogs. That's exactly right. Our first line of defense. But in town, it's a little bit different. And Jason and I are more aware living in town uh, of the. I have a you know security system myself. But most um, of the times, every time I've turned on the security system, when it goes off. Somebody in my family has triggered it. Well, that's why. And a lot of times you get complacent because of that. Yeah. So uh, our, our good friends at Simply Safe, uh, they use a lot. They use real video evidence, which really is great because it not only does it help you uh, get police there faster because they know something's going on. It's not just. Oh, trip. it's right up there with being armed. It is now. People are scared. Not only will they get caught because they can now have you on know, facial recognition and all that, but plus it's just embarrassing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the deterrent. <laughs> That's I right. Mean, the number one fear now is people's internet reputation. Oh, look, 
Here's what stupid criminals do. <laughs> well, how many times do you see that? Well, you see these funny videos with somebody's oh, security video. I mean, but it does really, it makes you realize that, you know, criminal behavior is yeah, stupid. It doesn't pay. So our, our friends at Simply Safe, they, they protect your home from fire, water damage, carbon monoxide. So it's 24 7 monitoring um, professionals. It's basically 50 cents a day, no contracts, which is a great deal there. So if you go to simplysafe.com, slash unashamed you get free shipping you get 60 day risk-free trial so i mean you're out nothing to give it a shot uh nothing to lose simplysafe.com slash unashamed uh and see if these guys can help you out so i i think that should be the focus I, that i mean i'm really passionate about that we can do classes we can do you know, have series, you know, these churches will have series. But to me, once you start getting away from Jesus for that 90 minutes, I just think that's a bad deal. One thing you know? that, that that amazed me, uh, and I learned a valuable lesson. Uh, it wasn't my idea. I think Owens came up with it. But where the brothers, the seating, <clears throat> where they sit, we replaced pews, you know, just pews, and everybody's sitting in rows is the way most, uh, that's the way. American churches. That's American what, yeah. churches, they have that. Well, now they, so, they a lot chairs. of them now have chair, these new uh, kind of mega churches. They got away from the pew. It's way more comfortable. It's like a movie yeah. theater scene. Well, what we did was we put tables there with chairs around the tables. <clears throat> Everyone sits at a table, and we have a meal <clears throat> when we meet. What struck me after about a year and a half there was that it really helped encourage to encourage interaction if a group of brothers and sisters are seated at a table with a meal there. The Lord's Supper is in the middle of the table. We stop. And we remember Jesus in the midst of the meal. We stop the meal and do that. Which is very first century. Instead of like being in pews and there here's someone seated next to you and you really, the pews, what they do, I'm not knocking them per se. I'm just saying, if you get in rows and pews, your interaction is curtailed yeah. significantly. You're right. Yeah. Rather than being at a table like we are right here, we're carrying on a conversation. If we had food here and we're partaking of food while we're talking here, we have breakfast and it's there, and everybody from the homeless and the ones that's been around there for years. At but least see, then somebody's going to say in, in you're the, not being decently in an order. The environment is more conducive to yeah. interaction between human beings if there's tables with chairs around them than pews. I, I mean, I've learned well, that much. And when you're small, just a thought. When someone, you're small and starting, like you guys did, that's a great idea because you're there. The problem is for most churches. If you they grow, they get so big. Yeah. You, you can't. How do you do? Then all of a sudden, it's like our place It's like what we're so landlocked into our situation, we couldn't do. That's what you're why I like the ninety minutes. Focus on Jesus. Go for the big crowd. Try to get as many people there. Plug them into Jesus, and then you do the offshoots, the spokes, you know, of mm-hmm. the wheel. Whether it's discipleship through small groups right. or having these house churches, house churches. what everyone needs to remember group functions like a house church at right. a building, that's which right. is fine with me. What everyone needs to remember is that all these texts we're reading, it was 300, 250 to three hundred A.D. from the beginning of the church, the big happening at Pentecost, 
the spirit was given and they just took off. But the whole thing basically was street preaching and just reaching out in small groups. There were, there were no synagogues when they went to the synagogues, by the way, trouble, trouble came their way. <laughs> when the apostle Paul and them went to the synagogues, one after the other in the book of Acts, you say they beat them half to death. They ran them off. You say the structured part got in the way of the gospel. So they just went. There were no church buildings mm-hmm. and all these texts were reading. They just didn't have them. Therefore, fast forward 2,000 years, what you're looking at is the American, the American and the European model of Christianity, which in my opinion might not be the best model. Right. It needs to be more diffused, smaller groups. You go to China, we have brothers there, millions of them, but they are literally underground on the whole thing, North Korea, China, anywhere else where there's authoritarian dictatorships. I mean, they really, really get after you. So they're quietly meeting in their homes, and they're, they're hiding. Right. But they, what I'm saying is you don't want to build a structure with a tall steeple on the front of it right. in red China or Korea. Or you won't be there long. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying now? Well, I don't know where we got into this structure on the street corner. I mean, basically, you didn't get that from the New Testament. They were meeting in homes. That's right. Well, it came in 300. Constantine was the first emperor of Rome mm-hmm. that became that converted to Christianity. Yeah. So what happened was it became then the state religion. You know, which actually didn't do us any favors. So Basically, where do these people get this idea though of when you walk into a building at a certain time, that all of a sudden there's some rules that you can't do certain things. Now, I'm not talking about evil. I mean just things. Like I've seen places where you can't eat. You know, once you enter the sanctuary or whatever, and you gotta like put your honey bun down. Yeah, don't be chewing on the honey bun as you walk. Don't under. bring that coffee in there. Which, well, yeah, that's what I mean. I'm which like, proves what my, which proves my point. The in America, the American model is strong on on organized process. It's structured yeah. so stiff that you move outside of that, and you're, you're suspect of being a little bit too excited about the fact that you're going to receive immortality at the end of this. Well, we can, I mean, if you go to Europe, if you go to Western Europe, you can see, I mean, you can go back about five or 600 years in time. You still see those cathedrals. I mean, Notre Dame was 900 years ago. And so what's sad is you walk in those buildings and dad and I did it. It's, it's a museum now. It's not oh, even, I, a, I mean, like people when I was are going in the through Ukraine, it. the yeah. only nice thing, they're viewing there, the architecture. Yeah. The only nice thing in, in Ukraine, now this is 20 years ago, but was the church buildings and they were these state run Orthodox, but they're, you know, they're, People are starving to death. Right. I'm like, sell some of this gold-plated cathedral because we went in there. There would be like seven people in there. You know, I'm like, what? That's right. What? There'd be what? a little area over there with just a few. People. I'm like, take this, sell it, <laughs> demolish the rest of it, and give the proceeds I get some food. to these starving people. We were filming Notre Dame when we went to Paris, France, and Paris. We were looking at it. And I said, are all these people worshipers? Because it Cause was, it's a long line. It was a long line that went out of sight. And they were all going into the, the cathedral. And I said, 
oh, this is a, a gigantic worship service. They said, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> they're, they're paying at the front, at the door. That's right. They're paying money to see the, the architecture. I said, what? Oh, yeah. So the, it had it's completely lost its meaning. That's right. And when I saw that, I just looked at the American model with, with these gigantic structures, and I'm thinking, you know, yeah, we came out of that. Maybe I mean, we're Acts seventeen twenty four. God, God. I mean, in that famous sermon by Paul, yeah. Oh, yeah. God oh, yeah. does not live in buildings built by hand, human hands, temples right. built temples. by man. That's right. He's he not does like it. silver and gold and all that. He does not live there. <laughs> now, what does that mean? That's a hard sell, guys. In America, <laughs> hey, that's a hard sell in America. But we need to be more diffused. There needs to be oversight, but we just don't need to be quite not near as structured as we have become. Yeah, because we're, we're not, not down. We're not down on church. We have family. to be relevant, and we've lost well, a lot I mean, of our relevance. We are a little bit down on it. I, m- I remember when I was when I was, they were like uh, questioning me on what my ideas were about doing the worship and all, because we have two services, and one of them is what is the word contemporary i guess you know non-traditional yep. you know, and, well there you go and, that's my point well i don't even know how to describe it they <laughs> they have a band okay they're excited now the first service is not it's more laid back conservative it's acapella, it's acapella music which, which i love both but i i lean toward the more you know contemporary mindset but anyway they were so it, you end up with two groups one of them is dull and one of them's exciting well, not dull. i didn't say that you said that but that's what it seemed but they're like you know there's dull and then there's this we need to liven this this up so one of the dangers uh that we talk about quite a bit on the podcast is what everybody's having to face and that is that uh our kids in my case in your case and our grandkids are way smarter than us when it comes to computers phones that's an understatement no uh, pads tablets i mean my you know my oh, everything that happens from anything technical software tv i say stop find someone under 25 years old <laughs> that's right. now exactly uh, missy hates it when i say that <laughs> she's like what do you mean i was like we're dumb <laughs> no offense we're not you we that's right. Find somebody under 25. You're right. Because they can fix it immediately, oh, right? I call my son. He don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, he's like, press this button, tip, 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 up, up, boom, solved. So the problem is, since that's a reality that we all face, you got a couple of options. Of course, the dad option, which he often says, is just take all computers and everything and throw it in the river. And but just, he has a young guy that works for him. Always, that's like, right. Hey, he get that. See that guy? So that is an approach. Yep. Uh, or our, our good friends at Circle, uh, who, who do the uh, Circle Home Plus, basically they've come up with an app for you to be able to police uh, what's coming into your home, uh, your Wi-Fi, and all these different things. So uh, basically it, it, it plugs right into your router. You download the app. It really allows you to watch out for your kiddos because i mean you know this this a, it's a bad world out there you it's know like what's putting going on. a halo over your house feel a technical it's like a force field star trek yeah this is what it's doing to the computer and cell phone world just so that you're with us 
I can tell you're excited. So right now, uh, because you're our listeners, you get a limited time offer, $30 off from Circle Home Plus. Go to meetcircle.com, meetcircle.com slash unashamed. And then you enter unashamed when you check out. You can get $30 off uh, for the initial thing that you get from those guys. So that's meetcircle.com slash unashamed. And be sure and put unashamed in to save you some money and protect your family. So, but they were livening it up. You have to loosen it up somewhat. Right. But they were a little nervous about me being a part of it, you know. So they were trying to figure out <laughs> what exactly are you going to do, you know? Because people are like, because we have the other service. If people want to go there, and I was like, well, well, if your uh, your whiskers are down to your chest, that throws in another thing about watch <laughs> that guy. You know, in this middle of the American structured Christianity, Jace, you're a little bit. Well, I, and look. Not left of center, you're right of center. I said something I shouldn't have said because I was looking at him like, this is ridiculous. I said, well, I'll tell you this. My plan will be to do something in between what we're doing now in the first service and burning the building. <laughs> no one in it. <laughs> Yeah, we and they were like, "What?" Uh, yeah, I was like, "I'm embellishing to make a point that God does not live in the building. I'm not worried about that structure. You know, I, I want to get us together and let's worship together powerfully and passionately. Yeah. Kind of what I, I read, like Jesus did in his ministry with loud cries and tears. It's okay. He, God formed us like this. It's okay yeah. to show a little emotion, especially when you're." thinking about going to heaven or the resurrection or participating in the forgiveness or you're a child of God or whatever. It's okay remember, to say yes. God's not the God of disorder. So and some of the people back in the first century were taking it a little, little, little far. Yeah, he said some rebukes. So, so some rebukes. So, so calm That's what down I said. There's a balance in there between, you know. He said uh, when, when the, in the context of uh, – Speaking in various languages worldwide, they, the Corinthians had the gift. But one of the things he he said in there, he said, "Brothers, stop thinking like children." Right. He said, "You don't want to get to where this is. Uh, it's not wise." Right. Yeah, but so, you know, I think people miss miss the point that if you had the power to do miraculous gifts. You remember when he sent out the, was it 72? And he gave them that power Mm -hmm. and they all came back and they were just like, Oh, this is the greatest thing we got. You know? And Jesus said, Hey, don't be excited that you can do miracles or however he put that. He said, but be joyful that your names are written in the book of life. But the excitement that, that would, that would happen because you had some kind of miraculous gifts. Now, that, that would be hard to deal with, you know, yeah. especially for some people. Well, and in the, in the Corinthian letter, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a reason why, and that's why I brought it up earlier. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these, in the middle of this friction that was going on at Corinth, he said, in the middle of it all, he said, look, the greatest, the greatest of all these is love. Just remember you know, and he, he mentioned the fact, he looked, well, I can speak in tongues of men and angels, but I don't have love. He said, I'm just uh, making a racket, you yeah. know, resounding gong or clanging cymbal. Well, 
we had a problem there. There yeah, was a yeah. problem there. He was addressing it, saying, y'all need to calm down a little bit <laughs> and learn to love one another because he had a list going up to 1 Corinthians 13 of a lot of issues there. Right. But the biggest issue, they were suing each other and getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. I mean, look, this was a pretty rough bunch. Oh, yeah. Luke mm-hmm. ten twenty is where we, he said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Yeah. My point is, though, you're still rejoicing. You know? As long as you I keep mean, the main thing, the main thing, Jesus, him crucified and raised from the dead. Well, and you're yeah, on pretty solid ground. Define rejoice is what I'm saying. If you, you, I mean, I'm going back to the football game. I keep going back to it. You rejoice about everything else except your name written in, in the book of life. Rejoice is there's some kind of action that's happening. If in the middle of a dissertation, uh, a, a guy who was speaking on behalf of God said in the church, he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, stop thinking like children. There's a problem here. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, listen to this, be adults. So you say, you look at that, you say, you know, we need to be uh, – we need to keep it where we are adults here. We're not just running in every direction and it becomes disorderly and chaotic. It's not wise. Right. Love gets lost in all that, Al. Well, and that's it. I mean, that's the fine line when you're talking about people getting together. Uh, but you would do the same thing in your house. That's right. If you're trying to talk, because I was in your house, and you're like, hey, hey, get out of here, kid. I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> Any kind of disruption was like immediate. A while ago, you were talking about... Uh, <laughs> Yo, Al, t- we took this class called uh, homiletics. Remember, we took that together. And you know what I learned? See, I missed no, all this, no, you, this you, high dollar. You need a training. class in homiletics. <laughs> well, I, I just you, taught one. You should have come to our you, class. You, what, what I learned is is everyone has a nervous tick. Have we talked about this before? I don't, uh, I don't every, know. Everyone, everyone has a nervous tick that, that comes out when they get up and start speaking like some people put their hand in their pocket and jingle their change yeah and but they don't realize it. Well, everybody's out you, there you've like got the rockers and the and the pulpit strokers strokers well see Sasha. you're the village blacksmith yeah you pound <laughs> on the podium and due to your hearing situation you start talking at a level that's too loud <laughs> and, and you know i was i was uh i don't know if you knew this I was nominated. We had a family meeting about it because somebody, went, it wasn't planned. We were just all eating together. And somebody said, who's going to tell Phil that he's screaming? In his <laughs> so somehow or another, I got nominated. So you remember, I was like, Phil, you're, we have these things called microphones. You, yep. you don't have to do. I have a lot of verses that says, and he raised his voice. I'll just finish this little discussion up with this. Uh, uh, out of all the things I've said to particular audiences, I've never used and and Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, he used this verbiage, and so did John the Baptist. He called his audience before he was going to tell them what he had to say, whether it be repentance, you know, and, and you need to obey me. 
both Jesus and John the Baptist addressed his audience, their, their audiences, as a brood of snakes. Yeah, John the Baptist did for sure. You know, it, it, now out of all the things I've said, I've never got up before a group. I said, "All right, you brood of snakes." I just, I didn't, I don't use that particular terminology to crank up a, a, a pointing them to Jesus moment. I, I just leave yeah. that out. Well, he, and they were religious. But the one in John the Baptist case, it says when you know it's Matthew three seven because I've been studying that because that's what yeah. I'm going to preach on. It said when the Pharisees and Sadducees came to where he was, he said, "You brood of vipers, who yeah. warned you to flee from the coming yeah. wrath?" And he's the point man for Jesus, so it helps my feelings a little when they say you're getting a little loud. I said, "Calm down here. I'm trying to." Yeah, but you remember this. the argument we had that day? I said, Phil, you're you're screaming. It, it's I, I was you were defending your passion. You're like, hey, they raised their voice. I was like, they didn't have a microphone. <laughs> they had they, when it says Peter raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Well, of course he did. He didn't have a mic. He had to yeah. say, hey, I understand. I, he's screaming, but it doesn't sound like. It. I said, you're hurting my head. It's plus, so you no matter what uh, how I've tried, I will say. Say that if you have, if you've let the let, let the truth come out about it, and say I, I've never owned a cell phone, so I don't know quite how that works. <laughs> well, you've already they're saying, yeah, okay, we got one about half a bubble off here. He's All not, right, he's not in cell he's not in tune with 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 cell phones. He's not into that. So you scream into you get the a mic. label. You get a label. Well, well so, come across. Uh, so here's so uh, I'm not sure. I'm not quite sure why I, I never uh, said. But you know, give me a cell phone. People actually gave me as gifts a cell phone, and I would throw it to the kids. And they would grab it. And they went for it. That's like throwing fifteen one hundred dollar bills to them. You could have sold it for a thousand. So, so, I just decided not. I don't know whether it was a God thing or I just said, look. Everybody no. has their style. You know, we just we just did a homilies class. We're doing it right now on Wednesday nights. Did you tell them what your nervous tick is? Yeah. I told, did I, you tell them who pointed it out? Was it you or Missy? No, it's me. Oh. I have a talent. I have very few talents in life. One of them is I spot people's nervous tics quickly. Yeah. yeah. And so you he'd wanna, tell me you, about mine. Yeah. And you yeah. and you did it Sunday, by the way. I know. Because you, you can't help. You don't know you're doing it. It's involuntary. It. You want to tell, tell them what it is? You tell. Al, when he first gets up there, he reach and tugs his ear. Like Carol Burnett. Yeah, look, it's like this move. He'll get up, you know, and he's like, hey, he's telling the joke, and he, he'll he tug that ear. He's tugging it. Not constantly. It, but I mean, I, look, yeah. of all the nervous tics, that's a good one because that's not bothering me. And it doesn't you know, draw a lot of attention. It doesn't draw – and you never – have you ever noticed him doing that? Nope. He does it every time he speaks. Never he grabs noticed. that ear. I'll lean over I told and tell Missy, class. I said, he's tugging on that ear. <laughs> <laughs> I told our class about it. But it was interesting because so, so Gary Osborne's in our class, and they're, they're, it's, we taught homiletics and hermeneutics, and now everybody in the class is like doing these little 10-minute speeches. So we're kind of like critiquing each other and you know trying to help everybody get better. It's been really good. So what's the difference between homiletics and homer? No, homiletics. Homiletics is how you go about, yeah, speaking as far as uh, 
Enunciating your words, your outline. How do you outline that? Uh, well, these these nervous these ex commercial you know. fishermen and whatnot, unschooled right. and ordinary men was what sent a wave of shock that's to why, the Pharisees. Well, that's me. That's, I, I'm an unschooled, but you got to remember, it's all in, you know, what you're representing. I get up there, and a lot of the things that the homiletics class would tell you don't ever do. I do because I'm just a normal – people don't think I'm a professional speaker, you know. Right. So I – like silence. You know, people are scared of – well, I guess that is a homiletical it is. view. They, they do things because they're scared of silence. So maybe – ma- ma- Well, let me finish this point. Maybe because of this class, instead of being scared of silence, I embrace the silence. You know, a lot of times I'll just get up there and I, I'm just looking. And people laugh. They the I it's not silence is not a bad thing. It's actually, it's actually you know? it draws people in. So yeah. hermeneutics is how you study the Bible. It's yep. it's approached. I would Bible. just say as I thumb through the pages of this, the sword of the spirit. Uh, I would just interject at this point and say, uh, I've never run up on the term. Hermeneutics or homo. <laughs> hermeneutics is not a word, so that's yeah, why you have that's a, word. Yeah, what, homo, that's the homiletics. mule. That's a mule. Uh, see, homiletics, so where is that text that uh, talks about homiletics? Uh, hermeneutics well, and homiletics have nothing. That That's not. That's like two different. That's like a ship and a car. I like ordinary unschooled. I like That's one I like. Well, you won't find it a makes rit- me feel better. You won't find an that. arithmetic in there either, but it's, it's good to learn. Do you so, want to tell them my tick? Well, wait, wait a minute. Let me, let me get my point, then you tell okay. them. So Gary Osborne, when he spoke, he said, when I was growing up, I heard two speakers. I mean, that's the two people that preached to me and taught me. It was you, Phil, and me. And he says, so when I started speaking, you know, now, because Gary's a really good teacher, he was like, so first I tried to be like Phil. Disaster. He said, you know, <laughs> I couldn't. He said, I could. I got up and I'm, you know, trying to be passionate, but it just it wasn't me. He says, so then I thought, well, maybe I need to be like Al. So he said, I, I, I tried to be funny and, and put humor in. Yeah. Disaster. He said, you know, he's a lawyer. He, you know, he's analytical. So yeah. he, he's like, that's my deal. So when he goes into a text, that's the way he does. It. He, he presents sides and looks at he it. He has a great mind. He's a great mind. So I thought that was interesting when you talk about homiletics. I've heard him speak. He's a good. Speaker. He's really good. So, but he figured out, and it was good for our class to hear. You can't be somebody else. No, you got to be you. It's that like was a very people, good, uh, a very good thing for him to yeah, reflect I, on. I thought it was great, and it was it was really good for the class. Because well, we know even from doing Duck Dynasty, these these people would try to create humor, like the producers and all. Sure, because we're all looking at them like, well, that's not funny, and and we would turn the camera on, and we're being ourselves, and and the humor like came out of that like. You know, people that, you know, they, I meet all these people in these VIP meet and greets, and they're like, boy, you're funny, you know. And, and you know you know how it is. Yep. Once you become known, a celebrity or whatever, people are like, say something funny. And so I'm like, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? I, I'm living my life. Make me laugh. What you think is funny, I don't think's funny. They're like, boy, I remember this time you said that. And they, you know, I, I got a shirt like that. I was like, I don't, I still don't think that's funny. It was just something I said. It was not funny. You think it's funny. Yep. So I, but my point is when you speak, the worst thing you can do is try to be funny. Right. If you try, it's pretty much guaranteed to fail. 
You just yeah. think about it. A lot of times I'm speaking, I'm talking, and everybody laughs, and I'm like, you know, you have to go on, but you start thinking back, well, why did they think that was funny? Yeah, you because know, it wasn't funny to me. Mm-hmm. I was being serious. So I but, don't know. I so hope tell that them helps. What, tell them what your tick is. So I don't know. That that that's why I'll look for it Sunday. I'm See, not I sure try either. since I'm real self conscious about others. Now, used to I had a problem. <laughs> I got this from Phil because my number one fear in life, I've said many times, was public speaking. I just didn't want anything to do with it. I mean, and I, you I, ended up there anyway. Well, I think it's because God takes whatever you're the weakest in and He turns it into a strength. I, I really believe that. Yeah, and because uh, that that was it for me. Fair I mean, point. I've told this hundreds of times you know when i went to speech class in ninth grade i thought that was going to help me you know with my english grammar because you know let's face it your wife our mom (laughs) took a wrong turn when it came to english norm crosby (laughs) yeah it's like half of her words are like what it, you know, it's a version, kind of like what you were doing with hermeneutic a while ago. Hermeneutic. Hum, hermeneutic. <laughs> so a merger. Yeah, you develop That's all actually these. actually a good class, hermeneutics, do both. Yeah. And, so, uh, but look, so, anyway. so here's what's ironic. Jace and I were in school together, and I thought Jace, was, and we had to speak at chapel, because you're speaking in front of your your fellow students and all the instructors, and you ain't never done, done this before, you know. So it was very nerve wracking to me. So you yeah, got the, you've got the, you've got the guys you're teaching. You got their pad. Out. Oh yeah, they're listening and they're they're basically yeah. critiquing. They are vetting and critiquing. So you. I felt high pressure in those situations, but Jace was much more natural. So I thought through preaching school, I thought, well, I'm not really ever going to be a speaker or preacher. And that's more Jace's thing. I'm going to be something doing something else, you know, teaching or whatever. And yet, it was ironic that I wound up spending, you know, my whole life doing it. So, and I really didn't in a official capacity. I mean, right. I, but you know what? I I would be nervous about doing it. But once I got up there, I just thought, forget all that. I'm just going to be, you know, I, I've always that's like my trigger mechanism is like I'm just going to be real, right or wrong. That's yep. all I got. Yeah, you know, what I mean, if I remember what I prepared, it's fine. Good, good policy. If I don't. Jason. But I can't, you know, the people that they write it all down, I don't know, you know, yeah. and they're reading it. It just, to me, you just, you got to study, you put the time in, you focus on the important aspects of, you know, sharing Jesus, whatever. Then you just got to get up there and be real. I mean, let's face it. You do. And you got to use your strength. So it's a good, it's a good, good, good thinking, Chase. It is. Well, that's a good discussion. We, we went all over the roadmap with that one. What do we call that? A potpourri? (laughs) Potpourri. (laughs) We are so glad you're watching and listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Be sure to like us on Facebook, subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. That's going to keep you up to date with all the new episodes. And it's also going to let other people find out about our podcast. So keep spreading the word and watching and listening to Unashamed with Phil Robertson.